shoes. <laughs> Hi. Hey, George Takei, who's on today's show? Seth Rogen. <laughs> oh, my. I love those curls. I love the cute, cuddly teddy bear type. <laughs> what a bear. <laughs> okay, George, I mean, it's a human resources issue here. We don't need you to talk about the gas. Oh, my. <laughs> weekend, Robin, but time got away from me. I was busy, and I was like, I gotta call Robin. There were some things I wanted to discuss with you. Nothing important. I mean, it's just usual gibberish that I have, but <laughs> it got away from me. Just... Well, how did the weekend get away from you? What were you doing? What was making you so busy? I was busy. You know how you're busy. <laughs> I'm busy, too. I was busy. I was... I don't know. I was... Uh, busy with the show. There were things going on. Uh, uh, now that the pandemic seems to be loosening up a bit, was doing some work around here, getting like uh, the house fixed up. It was just crazy stuff. So, I mean, everything just one thing after another, and then Mother's Day, and talking to the yeah, kids. Yeah, I didn't expect just... to hear from you wrong. Mother's Day, I'm sure you spent the day with your mom. Hello. Hello. <laughs> oh. I, just see, I just saw a whole thing where this guy, uh, his mother lost her job at 72 at a hotel. Yeah. And he decided that uh, his job now was to, he's a journalist, and he was going to just bring joy into her life. And uh, so they did what road a burden. trips. Oh. And uh, he learned, she learned to uh, hip-hop dance. Mm. And he took her, they jumped out of a plane together. And so they just were checking off things on her bucket list. And at mm. the end of the whole thing, the mom was sitting there with him saying, you know, he didn't have to do all that for me. All a mother wants is to spend time with her son. And I thought, really? Mm. <laughs> Every mother? Sounds, a, <laughs> sounds like my worst nightmare. I don't know. I, like I, <laughs> On Mother's Day, I, you know, of course, call my mom and. You know, I used to send her stuff, but or bring her stuff, but that stopped. She, I got yelled at for giving her flowers because <laughs> my daughter brought her flowers, and oh. um, you know, she brought her grandma flowers. I went, oh, and I used to get grandma flowers, but she started yelling at me. These flowers, please don't send me flowers anymore. They have bugs. <laughs> They're little bugs flying all over my house. Oh and my we're goodness. suffering so with the bugs. Your father was eating and he couldn't. Um, he could. There were little bugs in his coffee. <laughs> please, no more flowers. So then I started sending chocolates on Mother's Day. Don't send me chocolates, please. What am I going to do with those? We don't eat so much. It's too much for us. I was just like, Happy you know what? Mother's Day. <laughs> I just send a card now and I'm done. It's, I, I, I wonder me... if you sent a card because I said to myself, okay, he can't yeah. send her a gift. I wonder if he still sends a card. And she was like, I got your lovely card. It was very nice. And, uh... You know, I don't know. It's just Mother's Day. It's always like I called my mom and I go, 
hey, you know, mom, I just want you to know I love you and you are a terrific mom. I, you know, I don't get heavy with it. I just, you know, I always say so you were, you, you're the best mom a man could ask for. That's what I say. Okay. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not going to get into the politics. <laughs> you're of like it. a Hallmark card. <laughs> yeah, right. I just go you, and then she goes. So then I just expect her to say, "Oh, thank you," and she goes, "Listen, I tried the best I could, <laughs> and I know you're with that psychiatrist, and I don't know what you're talking about there, and everyone's with the psychiatrist." <laughs> And uh, I got. She didn't need one. <laughs> no, no. She's healthy. Oh, and then she started in with psychiatrists and uh, whether or not my kids go to the psychiatrist. I said, Mom, I'm a big believer in psychiatrists. I'm not threatened by a psychiatrist. I know, but I did the best I could. I said, I said you were the best mother a man could ask for. Can we leave it at that? <laughs> I mean, it's like. It's torturous. Even when you're trying to compliment her. Right. It I just, wor like, works out badly. I, I said, yeah, exactly. I, you're, and listen, it was all bullshit. <laughs> you know, I'm sure there are better mothers out there. But I went, for me, I, I just want to say something nice to my mother on Mother's Day and get, a, get on with it. You got to say something. <laughs> I can't just go, hello, and then hang up the phone. So I go, Mom, you are the best mother a man could ever ask for. Oh, really <laughs> stuff. You know, like, it's crazy. Yeah, Saturday Night Live could give you a complex because, you know, they're all on every year with their mothers. Did you see the opening of yeah. Saturday Night Live? I, I loved it because I was shocked how those comedians, there was about six of them that look exactly like their mothers. Like their parents, yeah. I thought it, at first it was a joke. I thought it was somehow they split like the screen. Like casted people who looked that good uh, or I, looked that much like them? Yeah, I thought it was Kate McKinnon dressed up as her own mother. And then <laughs> I didn't. I don't know the other woman's name, uh, the, the heavier gal. I don't know her name, but uh, Kate, she came out. something. Yeah, 80 Bryant. 80 Bryant, yeah. 80, yeah. Funny, you know, I don't I don't know everybody. Yeah, I, I dawned on me, too, that I don't really know everyone's name except for Pete and... Uh, and then Colin and Michael Che, and there's a couple of people I know. Keenan. Keenan. Yeah, I know Keenan. But 80 came out, and I thought, oh, that's her in a gray wig. I mean, it was startling. Because <laughs> they, they looked were, so much alike, yeah. Yes, they were identical. And then there was another comedian looked exactly like her mother, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, is this a bit, or is this... That would have been funny if Pete was dressed up as his mother, and <laughs> I, I would have made more of a joke out of it. But I don't right, know. but they had the interesting. moms on. That's been a thing they've done for the last several oh. Mother's Days. They had the actual moms, I and then you Elon. can't. You look at uh, Elon Musk's mom, and you go, "Well, that must be the greatest mom in the world." By the way, his mom looked super classy. Like, are they yeah. real? Were they? Was that a wealthy family? Elon Musk came from. I don't know his background, but boy, was she! Yeah, she looked like she had been born in a manor or something. And she uh, looked like she was born in France. People in yeah. France are really good looking, and they dress really dress super well. well. Yeah, his mom looked super put together. Like you could tell that she was. She looked like somebody, you know, but. Um, yeah, I didn't really get, you know, I, I, I should have watched the whole Saturday Night Live, but 
I didn't get a chance to. I, I again, I was just so busy, but and plus we had a it was Sunday night, and I realized I had taped Saturday Night Live, and everyone would be talking about Elon Musk. But then I saw American Idol was on, and I have to watch that show. That's my show. <laughs> that and Feud. I watched Feud and American Idol. So I, I had to see that So because they were going into the top five. They were going to whittle out two kids, and I need to be involved in that. And there's voting oh involved. <laughs> oh, listen, I was a judge on TV, uh, Robin. You, you forget. So, uh, But I watched the monologue that Elon Musk did because I saw it in the paper. There was a bunch of controversy that some of the cast of Saturday Night Live didn't want Elon Musk to be the host. Oh, and, really? And, I didn't see that. Oh, it was a whole big thing. And then... um I think it was Michael Che who's going to be on our show, but he, he was interviewed and he goes, I don't know. I think it was him. I, I hope I'm crediting the right comedian with this, but I read so many things about the controversy. Michael Che said, I don't know. It's with white people. They seem to hate their billionaires. I thought this was really funny. He said, um, black people love their billionaires. You hear like uh, Tyler Perry or Oprah's coming to your house. Yeah. And, and you're just, you're, wow. That's you're fantastic. excited. You're not like, Screw them. <laughs> and I started thinking about what Michael Chase said, and I said, yeah, white people really do seem to hate anyone who's successful. I think maybe white people think they're all supposed to be successful, and then when they see someone who is successful, they get jealous or something. Yeah, I don't know like what Elon it is. Musk took their stuff or something. Yeah, yeah. Like you took <laughs> – that was my rocket ship to go to Mars. <laughs> but I don't know why there was controversy that some of the members of Saturday Night Live felt that Elon Musk was not a good uh, selection for host because I think some of his politics didn't line up. From what I read in the paper, they were claiming that he was a um, – he downplayed the coronavirus. In the yes, well, he was against the mask at one point and then changed his mind and uh, a few other things. I forget I exactly. You know, I don't pay much attention to what anybody says anymore. People are so crazy. Right, but, people yeah, are crazy. He, yeah, and he was one of those people who was downplaying Corona <laughs> and saying it wasn't that big a deal. Oh, good. Well, anyway, so I guess some of the cast didn't want him on, and I don't know what it was. But so I, I put on the uh, beginning of it, and I saw his monologue, and I thought for a guy who isn't an entertainer, who's just a guy who, you know, is uh, the head of a company that sends people, is trying to send people to Mars and make rocket ships and certainly makes these amazing electric cars. I thought the guy was pretty loose as a goose. and, and Well, he somewhat, is loose as a goose. That's Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was pretty good. I don't know. I mean, I didn't see well, him in a Well, I sketch. thought it was fun because yeah. he's not an actor or right. a performer. And End it was sentence. really interesting to watch him interacting in that space. But, you know, Elon is known for saying crazy things and doing crazy things. What is, what is that name? Elon. I mean, it, well, that is, goes back to who is his mother and why does she look that way? He's got All a right. name like Elon. Elon Musk's mother started modeling at 15. Oh, that makes sense. Ah. That is an attractive older woman. Yeah. He was a finalist in the Miss South Africa competition. She's a dietitian and nutritionist with two master's degrees. Yeah, I, I knew I knew she'd be somebody hot. Yeah, she didn't look no. like a mom. No. She didn't <laughs> look like my mom. Like moms. <laughs> yeah. My mom's tits are down to her knees. You know, that's a mom. <laughs> she wasn't modeling at 15. <laughs> I want to say to Elon, you didn't have a mom. If, if any woman who modeled at 15 isn't a mom.
<laughs> yeah, you had a model. You didn't have a mom. And my mom was like, my mom always reminded me that she looked like a real woman. <laughs> that Playboy magazine is full of, uh, it's not realistic. You know, real women look like me and your sister. Oh, okay. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. Because I was into Playboy. My but I'm just like, saying me and your sister. Like, why is she throwing Alan in there? What's she got to do with anything? She's not. I don't know. My sister, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why she threw her in there. My sister looked good. I don't know why yes. she had a, Yeah. What is she saying? Yeah. I have hair coming out of my nipples. What is <laughs> That's the sign of a real woman. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I was into, my mother got me a subscription to Playboy at 13. She said, there's nothing wrong with the human body and looking at it. But believe you me, those women in there, there's nothing real about them. And that's <laughs> not a real, those women are freaks. Real women look like me and your sister. Well, why get you a magazine of freaks? What is, well, I don't even I understand it. the rationale. I'm getting this for you, but these people aren't real. I had to have it. But my point is, why would a mother give it to you if she has such a problem with the people in it? I didn't have a problem with it. I just <laughs> told my son that those are not real women are covered in dirt and have big <laughs> folds and ash. And giant labias majora minor. <laughs> I showed my son what real breasts look like. And let me tell you. And real women have cellulite. And that's that. Okay, Mom, I got it. <laughs> I think I'm going to sleep with guys now. I think those women would women would have been very complimented if they had heard her mm -hmm. calling them freaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She meant that they were... <laughs> really weird you know like like that no women look like, like they, they just, weren't they're not the of norm. this world yes right. they were from somewhere else real women have a full load of discharge in their panties at the end <laughs> of the day believe you me a nice yellow discharge oh okay real i'm gonna go throw up panties there's none of this <laughs> pantyless stuff <laughs> real women wear huge panties like me <laughs> okay my mom had the biggest panties i get like if i was ever on an uh, like a desert island i could have built a sailboat with those panties <laughs> you could like, have sailed. gilligan needed your mom's panties <laughs> oh if my mom was on the island they would they would have either had a parachute <laughs> big giant panties what's with those little tiny panties those are uncomfortable and i need to breathe i have full cotton panties Thong. I What's mean, a thong? What is that? I don't want something <laughs> sticking up my ass. <laughs> Me tell you, those women in Playboy aren't. Uh, they're freaks. They're not real women. Real women make you want to puke when they're naked. <laughs> Let me tell you. If you're not vomiting when you're with a woman, then you're not with reality. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? So Oh, but anyway, uh, getting back to Saturday Night Live, I don't know what all the, you know, hoopla was about. I mean, when they have uh, entertainers on as hosts, I don't know what all of them, their politics are. Well, he that. did point out that OJ had hosted the show twice. So. Yeah. <laughs> OJ. 
And, you know, you shouldn't judge him by one action. You know, he, you know, all of a sudden Mm. he says, don't wear a mask. And he's a, you know, terrible person. OJ did the show, too. And uh, he only, you know, maybe murdered somebody once. And the next thing you know, he's a killer. (laughs) I thought that was a great joke. I have something um, sort of OJ-related in a weird way that you mentioned that OJ makes me think of this. Yeah, well, um, over the weekend, I got a um, first person to email me was Dan Foreman. You remember Dan Foreman who produced our old TV show? Uh, Dan wrote me, said, oh, one of our frequent guests died. Tawny Katane died over the weekend. Tawny Katane. Yes, I saw that. And I was sad to hear that because uh, she, you know, 59, look, yeah. 59, when we when we uh, had our old TV show back in the day, she would um, she would do the show. And, and as you know, there were very few people who had any kind of notoriety or fame who would do <laughs> our show. So the fact that Tony Contain came on, it was like um, the Beatles were coming on because we couldn't get any celebrities to do our show. But uh, Tawny Katane died over the weekend, and they did not announce the cause of death. But when I was reading her obituary, I felt very sad because it sounded like uh, she had some real ups and downs and some trouble with substance. And, you know, I was just sort of sad about it. But she was some beauty. I mean, um, first of all, I'll give you a couple of facts. Let's do a little obituary for Tawny Katane. May she rest in peace. Uh, everyone knew her from those White Snake videos. There must have been about three or four White Snake videos in a row where Tawny Katane would dance around in a see-through outfit. I mean, talk about um, real women versus uh, fantasy women. <laughs> this Tawny Katane was so beautiful and so sexy. She was a, uh, I guess when she was younger, she was something of a ballerina dancer or she she practiced dancing. By the you know by the time we saw her on MTV, you were like, oh my god, this is the woman. So you know we think when we see a woman like that, her life's going to be incredible. I oh, don't know yeah, why. Be but, beautiful. She has yeah. no cares or woes. Her real name was Robin. You didn't know this. I didn't know this. Her real name was Robin Quivers. No, which it is was so not. no no. Her real name was Julie Catane. Julie yeah. Catane. I don't know where Tawny came from. I don't know, but what a brilliant move. Like being yeah. hot and being named Tawny. <laughs> like, what is Tawny? Tawny. Like, I, I, you know, even her name was like, Tawny was like a, like Tawny Kitten was almost her name. Like Tawny, <laughs> Tawny Katane. Mama Lucian. Yeah. Whatever that means. I don't think that, what was the name there? Julie Katane. Julie Katane would not have had as good a career. <laughs> no. No, she wouldn't. You're absolutely me so tawny. <laughs> Me love you long time. Her real name was Julie Katane. And, you know, I forgot about this. Her big break was in the movie Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks. That's I didn't remember right. that. That was the first thing we saw her do. She played Tom Hanks's uh, fiance. And then, like, you know, after the movie, nothing much was happening. She did a couple of guest spots on Married with Children and Seinfeld. Um, she had even done a, she starred in a Jack LaLanne commercial. I'd like to see that. I bet oh that was hot. God. She was probably in like a fucking leotard or something back in the day. But she had studied ballet and gymnastics. That's where that fabulous body came from. But uh, when MTV hit and Whitesnake put her in Here I Go Again, we all remember that song. Here I go again on my that was it. You can't listen to this song. 
without thinking about Tanya Detain. At least I can. And then White Snake says, fuck this. If, if th- that put them on the map, they've said every yeah. video from now on, that's it. Where, you know, the, there was, um, is this love still of the night and deeper the love and the same formula. You see the band, David Coverdale was standing there like a woman. He had bigger hair than Tawny <laughs> and he would pose into that. My, I, I went back yesterday just to remember her and watch the videos and he's standing there with a look on his face, like, like dressed up like a girl. Really, he had right, big, lo- yeah. you know, he was like a he was like a pretty girl. He had gorgeous locks too. <laughs> yeah, and then Tawny would be rolling around on a fucking car, yes, doing splits, and every outfit was see through with the titties and the whole thing. Mod on, what a fucking what a fucking video. <laughs> And then, of course, everyone said, well, you two should be married. You're two, two of the best-looking people in the world. And they tried and they, it. They did. <laughs> two years. Can you imagine? How do you marry for two years? Like, what the hell must have That's been going hardly on? hardly getting out of the church. Two years. Like, what a disaster. Uh, oh, and also... before big the- hair is not a reason to marry two people off. No, and they never had kids together, those two, because those kids would have had fabulous hair. <laughs> Um, also another note before the white snake videos, Tawny appeared in rats video back for more. You remember rat? Oh, we I had those guys that. on the yes. show. Yeah. And she'd been dating, uh, the guitarist. If you remember the guy's name, Robin Crosby in rat, remember him? Oh, big right. guy. Yeah. She dated him. Okay. So, um, anyway, to sum up Tawny Katane, I had Tawny on the show a few times. Her first appearance was in the early nineties. And then we didn't see her for a couple of years. And this is fascinating. I didn't remember any of this. She was co-hosting a family-friendly show on ABC called America's Funniest People. ABC put it in her contract that she couldn't do my show. It was in her wow. contract. Listen to this clip. It was in my contract. Right. Your name was in my contract. Are you kidding? I thought you were lying to, to me. No, it said it, it, in my morals clause <laughs> that I could not talk to Howard Stern. Wow. You're kidding me. No. What there a you reputation go. we have. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, ABC. <laughs> Can you imagine you are not allowed to do the Howard Stern show is in her contract? I, you know, there have been a couple of people. I remember um, the great beauty. Carmen Electra used to do our show yeah. all the time. And then she got a nice break. She got um, a makeup contract of some sort on TV. And I didn't see her for a while. And somehow it got back to us. Gary had called her, said, hey, you're in town. You want to come on the show? And I think she, too, was told, I don't know if it was in her contract, but if she was told, you're not going on there if you want to be right. our spokesperson. And so uh, she couldn't do our show for a while. So here's something that Gary reminded me about. I forgot about this. I saw, I saw Tawny Katane. There was another time, fast forward. I saw her at uh, Donald Trump's wedding. I went to Donald Trump's wedding to Marla Maples. His uh, second marriage. And uh, it turns out I, I and O.J. Simpson was there, too, and Tawny was there. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I run a picture with you and Donald and O.J., right? I have a picture of me. Yeah, I think so. I have. I, there was some picture taken of me and O.J. I put that on the back of my book. Right. One of my books. So so 
I'm standing there, and Gary reminded me of this, and now I, now it comes back to my memory. I'm talking to Tawny. And Tawny says to me, uh, I, I said, oh, look, there's O.J., O.J. Simpson. This is, of course, before the, you know, the, the murder trial and everything. And I said, do you know O.J.? Do I have that right, Gary? I said, do you know O.J.? Right. And Tawny said, no, I don't, I don't really know him that well. And O.J. came over, and uh, he just grabbed Tawny, he dipped her, and started making out with her. What? Kissing her. Yeah. And it turned out they were there together. And she told you she didn't know him. Yeah, they were she joking. Was joking. They were joking. They were pulling a joke out. Oh, but, Howard, okay. I don't know if you remember, because I just remembered this this morning. The rumor was, this was a rumor, was that, you remember that first uh, 911 call with OJ when he and Nicole got into a huge argument? Yeah. The rumor was that Nicole found a receipt for some jewelry, expensive jewelry. And the rumor was it was something that OJ had bought for Tony Katane. Wow. So they were involved in all sorts of wackiness. Yeah, I don't know what was going on that day, but uh, so Tawny and OJ seemed to know each other. Yeah, and then uh, eventually she admitted (laughs) to me that they fooled around a bit. And Tawny didn't believe that OJ committed the the murder. She couldn't wrap her head around it. Here it is from my show on um, whatever day. I don't know what it was. I still cannot wrap my brain around this, Howard. You can't. It's impossible. It is impossible. Well, people say that who knew OJ. It just doesn't seem possible. It just doesn't. Yeah. But he did it, trust me. Well, if he shot her, then I would be sitting here going, oh, my God, I cannot believe my old friend O.J. killed right. Nicole. But you mean you can't imagine him taking a knife? No, I can't. I can't. I just can't. Standing across the street and shooting her, like I, then I would sit here and go, well, okay, maybe so. Never raised a hand to you? Never raised a hand to me. Never. Mm. Well, all I know is when I was now I now I have the shutters because I realized I was sitting and talking to Tawny and OJ spotted me with Tawny. I could have been in big trouble. You could have been. You're right. (laughs) You could have been the uh, collateral damage. Why are you talking to Tawny? Uh, She's a friend. A friend. Get away from Tawny. Good thing he didn't (laughs) get angry with me. He was in a good mood that day. Yeah, he was happy. We got a problem. (laughs) You don't want him on a day he's got a problem. Going on with the obituary, when Tawny was on the show in 2003, she was in the middle of a court battle with her husband, who was Chuck Finley, if you remember. He was a Major League Baseball player. Okay. Uh, Evidently, they had a very tumultuous relationship. There were tremendous allegations of uh, domestic violence. Tawny got hooked on Vicodin. They had a huge fight in their car. Chuck accused Tawny of kicking him in the face. Tawny actually got arrested and went to jail and was very open about it on our show. I, I forgot all of this. Here we go. I do not want people to sit here and think that I think Chuck is this horrible, horrible person for doing what he did. You didn't sound like you liked him too much. Well, no. I mean, it, what happened? It sounded like he was, the way you make it sound, you make him sound like he enslaved you, he beat you, well, you went on Vicodin because of him. Well, first of all, you don't even know what happened in the car. Second of all, the Vicodin was my choice and how I felt that I needed to deal with. Um, what happened with in the my, car? Well, what happened in the car was he grabbed my, I was in a fetal position with my legs up in the car. And I was crying, and he <laughs> grabbed my ankle, and he grabbed it up towards the ceiling. Nothing like marriage. I was in the car oh, with my husband I'm in the fetal position. You. Yeah, yeah, I mean. And he was shaking, shaking you around? me around, and I was screaming, please let go, let go. And he wouldn't let go, and I picked my leg up, and I kicked him. 
And that's what happened. And <laughs> and it got completely out of control. And I called the police and the police came and, and arrested you and arrested me. Of course. This is funny to me because she had no problem with OJ. None. But look at what's Chuck, going on with Chuck Finley. <laughs> in the court documents, Chuck Finley accused Tawny of being suicidal, having fits of rage, and keeping knives under her bed. I mean, I don't know what's true, but Tawny gave us her side of the story, and here it is. It was kind of a very passive-aggressive relationship where he would just totally ignore me. He would leave the house, and, and I would just I'd walk around going, Chuck, where are you? And next thing I know, he would have been gone for two hours. I mean, Were you satisfied sexually? Um, No. No. No, I mean, he just, he didn't, I mean, I didn't feel beautiful. I didn't feel pretty. I didn't feel like I was worthy of anything. I mean, I, I tell you, it was the most, it was the darkest, you know, and half of it now, was Is he going to be fault. pissed at you for saying all this stuff? Oh, I'm sure he is. But like I was saying to you earlier, I have to, I went through so much, uh, so much inner stuff of my own in the last year and a half that I have to take responsibility and say, well, why did I allow myself to stay? And, um, you know, he was doing a lot of traveling and, and, um, you know, and and I just got deeper and deeper into the Vicodin, and that was the only thing that allowed that that gave myself dead in the, the pain. The dead in the pain. Meanwhile, I'm sitting Yikes. there going, "Shit, she looked so hot that day," and I was like, "Oh fuck, she's not sexually satisfied." I mean, I got a penis. Well, this is the thing: she's the white snake girl, and mm. she's not sexually satisfied. And I'm like, so "There's only one man giving it to her the way she needs it." There's one very hideous, ugly man who could make her feel beautiful, and that's me. I should really give myself to her. Because one thing about me and a beautiful woman, I will make them feel beautiful. Anyway, she was probably a little bit too open during that interview. The domestic violence case against her was dismissed a month later, but on the condition... Oh, one condition was the judge forced her to apologize in writing to the court for the comments she made on my show. Can you imagine... Again, somebody, she's punished for being on this show. <laughs> yeah, people get punished. Uh, Tawny went on to do several of those celebrity celebrity reality TV shows. She was on Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew, The Surreal Life. She appeared on Bosch to get breast implants removed. Tawny Katane, dead at 59. Thank you, Tawny, for always coming on our show. And uh, very lovely. And, yeah, um, sweet person. Sweet person, I'm telling you. I remember... Uh, she just had a, a really good sense of humor, very open, uh, very beautiful, 59 years old. When I, when I read this stuff about her life, I feel sad for her, you know? I mean, it sounds like... Fred, I try to tell you that every beautiful woman isn't living the beautiful life, but you, hmm. you just can't get over the fantasy. Nope, I will. I refuse to listen to you. Nah, <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Are you still talking about that? Ah, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, evidently, the, the legend goes that David Coverdale wanted Claudia Schiffer to be in the White Snake video, and really, David Coverdale stopped by the director's house to go over storyboards, and he brought Tawny along. They knew each other, and when the director saw Tawny, he said, "You're her. You're the girl. That's it. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Boom shakalaka." Where's David Coverdale, by the way? He he made a statement. I read it online. It was like, you know, hey, sorry to hear about it. I, I'm sorry for her two daughters. And, you know, he said all the right things. 
Tain um, is a Jewish name. But Jewish people love pointing out that Tawny was Jewish. Because nobody thought Tawny was Jewish. Right. You know, they, they want, um, they have an image of what a Jewish girl should look like. And Tawny <laughs> didn't fit it. You know how anti-Semitic people can be. Right. She can't right. be Jewish. They think all Jewish girls look like me. <laughs> <laughs> There's some great Jewish beauties. Absolutely. By the way, speaking of Jewish beauty, Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen will be on our show today. The guy wrote a book. Uh, I love it. <laughs> it's like um, I know he took three years to write it because I believe he wrote it. He didn't use a ghostwriter or a uh, person to help him. I mean, he just wrote it. It's interesting you should say that because I'm thinking to myself, how could he write a book? And then when you say it took three years, it makes sense. Well, anything good takes years. You know, writing a book is very difficult. And, you know. But Seth doesn't take off time just to write a book. Well, he has a lot going on. He's got all these other things going on. That's right. That's right. So it took him three years, and uh, I read it, and I, I was laughing the whole time, and we'll talk to him later in the show about it. So, uh, you know, that'll be in a couple hours when I'm half unconscious. We'll, we'll talk to <laughs> Seth about his new book, and there's some really funny stories in it that I didn't even know. And it's a very candid and open book. That's what I like about it. It um, He tells a couple of stories in there. I'm not going to get into it now, but he tells a couple of stories in there that are just just fantastic. So, uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to talking to him. Tomorrow, uh, Emily Blunt will be on the show. She stars in, uh, they made a sequel. She and her husband made a sequel to The quiet, quiet Place. place quiet Place. I watched it. It's fabulous. I, I loved, loved it. it. Yeah, it was really good. I saw it, too. But they made me go through so much to get this movie. Oh, tell it me about like, it. It was like... Uh, I, you know, I, know. I said, I feel like a criminal. I, right. I mean, they really don't trust me with this movie. <laughs> That's right. Listen, uh, <laughs> I had a, a similar, it took 45 minutes before we could watch the movie. Let's put it that way. They have such security. You know what? My issue was my equipment. I uh-huh. told you when, when I built my house, I put all the money into my audio video equipment. Uh-huh. I went downstairs, and I had a little home theater and everything, and I turned it on, and, of course, it didn't work. <laughs> and Beth, and you see That's how you laugh? the best. The, when does Beth, it work? It never works. And then and Beth starts laughing, just like you're laughing right now, and it cuts through me. It cuts through me so painfully. It's like, it's like, it, it's like oh, because she knows how much money I spent. Yeah. And she knows how important this is to be. I, I said, you know. I feel really like a big star. They're sending me a quiet place too. I'm going to see it before everyone else because I'm going to speak to Emily Blunt. This is a movie highly anticipated. The first one was a big success. And the equipment, the sound came on. I couldn't get the video. It was close. (laughs) And then I go through my tirade. I said to my wife, this is television. This has been invented already. It should work. (laughs) It shouldn't be this hard. And then that went on for a while. So then we had to move locations and find um, my crappy old TV. Just the regular old setup. Regular old TV. Yeah, that's how I watched it. Uh, you know, this, this, all this equipment I had put in was useless. Well, and, they, um, 
I don't have that system, and usually they just send me some link to a streaming service yes. to watch movies. Right. They would not do that this time. Right. It was like, doesn't she have the pick system? Then we could get it to her. If she doesn't have the pick system, we're not going to send it to her. And then finally, they said, okay, we will have a messenger bring oh. her a DVD. Oh, my God. And stand outside your house? Well, she didn't stand outside the house. She left, but they demanded that I destroy the DVD and take a picture of it. Wow. And send it back to them. <laughs> like a criminal. <laughs> yeah. Let's say hi to Jeff from California. Hi, Jeff. Good morning. Hey, now, Howard. Hey, Robin. Hey, now. Hey, now. Hey. Um, yeah, I just... Super excited about Seth Rogen coming on the show today. Uh, love all his movies. Um, I even went out and bought some of his new weed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which, uh, he has a whole weed situation going on, legal weed out in California. What type of weed did you buy from uh, Seth Rogen? Uh, this is pancake ice. <laughs> they, right. I think it's pretty strong. Um, you know what? What if, I, uh, what if I, I smoke a little bit right now on the air? In honor go of ahead. Seth coming. Go ahead. Go ahead. Give me a uh, give me an evaluation. Me, but yeah. I watch that? all these I watch all these unboxing videos online. And, um, <laughs> go ahead. Let's hear what you yeah, think of it. Let's let's un let's unbox this this right now. Hold on one second. I'll light it up. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Good shit. <laughs> what the fuck is happening to my voice right now? <laughs> Wait a second, Jeff. Am you I say... crazy? Hi? <laughs> right? Do I sound exactly like Seth Rogen? <laughs> Jeff, how many hits? You took one hit, and I got to tell you, I your voice sounds... I took one hit, and I, I, I'm really very high. <laughs> I'm in a complete <laughs> state of panic right now, actually. <laughs> I know. I I'm wonder... freaking the fuck out. <laughs> This is amazing. This is why the FDA needs to test weed. You're saying you took one hit of this pancake ice or whatever it's called. Is it pancake ice? I, yeah. Now I have a fucking beard and I'm wearing glasses. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is going on right now. <laughs> Boom shakalaka. <laughs> well, you're not high. I mean, you are high, but uh, you do sound amazingly like Seth. And and I'm yeah, wondering, I, 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 yeah, I'm wondering, is this a feature of his marijuana or is it a bug in the system? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm, 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 I'm starting to get a little bit paranoid. <laughs> you know what you should do? I just had a thought. You should try writing a movie right now. Hello, Seth. I mean, Jeff. I mean, I think, I think he got cut off. I heard a little. Pop. Yeah, I, I think he's so high. He just. <laughs> hey, Jeez, pal, if what, you're still what listening, a side effect. <laughs> I know. Whatever you do, don't don't smoke Snoop Dogg's uh, weed unless you want to be a rapper. <laughs> there you go. Well, how do you like that? That that's amazing. Well, you know, you made a great point. You wonder, can you write movies now? <laughs> yeah. There you go.
There's a, uh, a couple of things I wanted to say. I was really bummed out over the weekend over this Chinese rocket. <laughs> Excuse me, I just threw up. I was going to say, that sounds oh. wet. Oh, <laughs> I'm falling apart. Oh, dear. Um, you know. You were bummed out by the Chinese rocket? Yeah, you know, I didn't realize how many satellites are up in space. I know this country puts up tremendous amount of satellites, and it turns out other countries are too, and people are putting up rockets. And Well, this rocket was supposed to be carrying stuff to help them make their own space station up there. Yeah, I mean, great, go ahead. But then the Chinese government was kind of like, hey, um, you know, everyone was questioning, where is this rocket debris going to fall? Because we're going to have a rocket that was going to break up in space. Right. It and didn't do what it was supposed to do. And so it was breaking up and falling back to Earth. Yeah. And they were kind of like, look, we're pretty sure that the debris is going to fall into the Indian Ocean. We don't know for sure. It could fall on land, but probably not. And probably could just good land enough. on somebody. But we don't think so. <laughs> because when debris falls from space, it could kill you. You know, it could fall on your house. It could fall on a plane. It could. It, there's good odds that you will die. And I, In you know, fact, I, just... I heard one scientist talk about the weight of it. He said it's like three tractor trailers falling yeah. out of the sky. That's how much uh, debris was going to reach the Earth's surface. Yeah, I mean, we hear debris. And we, you know, we think, you know. It's debris like sounds like the it's garbage like, in your garbage can flying yeah. out. <laughs> and evidently no. when it falls. Here, let me see. China insisted the risk was low. And I'm like, can we really trust the Chinese government? <laughs> Haven't I mean, they always been just forthcoming and, and really yeah. accurate? Uh, but it turns out the bulk of the rocket I'm reading from the article. This is from uh, the BBC News. Remains of a Chinese rocket that was hurtling back towards Earth have crashed into the Indian Ocean. Thank you. The bulk of the rocket was destroyed as it re-entered the atmosphere, but state media reported that debris landed just west of the Maldives, wherever that is. The Maldives. I never heard The of Maldives. That. Maldives. <laughs> Maldive with you. Maldive is a good G DJ name. Maldive with you. <laughs> There have been uh, days of speculation over where the rocket might land, and U.S. officials and other experts warned its return risk potential casualties. And I was just like, fuck you. Like, if you send a rocket up, there's got to be some sort of universal law about how you don't get to have it crash into the earth. Well, I, again, was listening to a scientist said, this happens way too much. I was like, really? I yeah. only know of one other. But this yeah. is happening. And so that's what freaked me out because I was like, what the fuck? You know, what is that? What do you mean? You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting in my house going, I, I don't want debris falling on me from a Chinese rock. How did Howard die? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He was sitting at home <laughs> eating his uh, Metamucil and, and yogurt. And uh, unfortunately, the Chinese debris fell on his head. <laughs> got, got clunked by it. A piece of rocket from yeah, China. I, I slept under my kitchen table Saturday night. I was so nervous. <laughs> anyway, it turned out fine, which, you know, was great. You're lucky. But that's You're lucky. Luck. Yeah. luck. Yeah. They weren't exactly sure where it would fall. Then they told us, don't sweat it. Don't worry about it. Well, I'm worried about something more. The future? And th What? 
the future? Well, actually, I'm worried about right now. Seems that the Russians and the Chinese and the North Koreans have better hackers than we do. Oh, yeah, they get into everything. I I saw that over the weekend. Yeah, and I'm like, are we losing the hacking war? Yes, yes. We don't have hackers? We have them, but the other guys seem to be, you know... I mean, if They're we not have any them, good. I... They can't find these attacks before they happen. And, no. and, and they always say, oh, we're going to retaliate. But I never hear the results of any retaliation. Here, you want to really worry? I read this article a couple of weeks ago in the New York Times, and I meant to read it to you on the air. Okay. it was so bleak. And, in fact, the headline is, Why Spy Agencies Say the Future is Bleak. And this is from the New York Times editorial board. Listen to this. Just listen to the first couple of paragraphs and it'll All freak right. you out about the future. And, and it really bums me out for my kids and what the world's going to look like. But let's not sugarcoat anything. Everything's fucked up. Climate change, technology, disease and financial crisis will pose big challenges for the world. An intelligence report concludes. Now, let me emphasize, this is from our intelligence agencies. These are the guys who knew COVID was coming. They know uh-huh. they know in advance. They know every fucking disaster that's coming. These are, this is what they're paid to do. All right. Every four years at the start of a new administration, American American intelligence agencies put out global trends, a weighty assessment of where the world seems headed over the next two decades. In 2008, for example, the report warned about the potential emergence of a pandemic originating in East Asia and spreading rapidly around the world. These guys knew in 2008. That this pandemic we're having was coming. And of course, the Obama administration had planned for it. They put together a team of guys who know about this shit and how to keep it out of our country. But then when Trump got in office, we don't need that. We don't need it. You knew that's a a bunch of government spending we don't need to be doing. He got rid of it because Obama was into it. This is what I'm talking about. I don't, that's how I don't know. I don't understand how people think. That what we went through for four years was good for the country. I just don't get it. That's the number one agency you want for your children to be around. This this agency that predicts what's going to happen. And then a group of scientists who can keep the coronavirus out of our country before it yes. gets here. They had successfully done it before. problems before they yeah. become problems. Right. All right. So the latest report, Global Trends 2040. In other words... Right around the corner, what the world's going to look like. They find that the, um, okay, the latest report, Global Trends 2040, released last week by the National Intelligence Council, finds that the pandemic has proved to be the most significant singular global global disruption since World War II with medical, political, and security implications that will reverberate for years. Um. The world envisioned in the 144-page report, ominously subtitled, A More Contested World, um, is ravaged by changing climate, aging populations, disease, financial crisis, and technologies that divide more than they unite. All straining societies and generating shocks that could be catastrophic. The gap between the challenges and the institutions meant to deal with them continues to grow. Meaning we're so divided as a country that um, putting money into these agencies that will help prevent this disaster, it it can't, 
we can't get the politicians to agree on all this. Thank you. Um, the politics within states are likely to grow more volatile and contentious, and no region, ideology, or governance system seems immune or have the answers. At the international level, it will be a world increasingly shaped by China's challenge to the United States. Listen to this. Large segments of the global population are becoming wary of institutions and governments that they see as unwilling or unable to address their needs. People are gravitating to familiar and like-minded groups for community and security, including ethnic, religious, and cultural identities. So what's our world going to look like in 2040? We're, is, we're falling behind. Yeah, we're going to be in tribes. At, at, in tribes. At the same time that populations are increasingly empowered and demanding more, governments are coming under greater pressure from new challenges and more limited resources. This widening gap portends more political volatility, erosion of democracy, expanding roles for alternative providers of governance, meaning like uh, you'll start your own little government with yeah, your like minded friends. You'll have a country over, you know, next door to you. Accelerating shifts in military power, demographics, economic growth, environmental conditions and technology, as well as hardening divisions over governance models are likely to further ratchet up competition between China and a Western coalition led by the United States. At the state level, the relationship between societies and their governments in every region are likely to face persistent strains and tensions because of growing mismatches between what the public needs and expects and what governments can and will deliver. So experts in Washington are reading all this shit and going, it, 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 it looks so gloomy for the future that 2040 is going to look. But do Congress people read this report and say, we got to stop our nonsense? Then they go into the poisoning of political discourse. They talk about the environment. We know the Arctic caps are melting at a perilous rate, raising sea levels and threatening dire consequences the world over. We know that for all the grand benefits of the Internet, digital technology has also unleashed lies, conspiracies and distrust, fragmenting societies, poisoning political discourse. We know that China's on the rise and we know how great their government is. Global well, trends offers no solutions. <laughs> uh, it's such a fucking horrible report. Um. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm like skipping pages of it, but it's so uh -huh. bad. I started reading it. I started to get the shakes. Well, the one thing I can say, Howard, is this is the worst case scenario. And we could fix it if people looked at this and said, we don't want to go down this path anymore. Yeah, the problem is you can't because you got half the country saying this is all bullshit. We don't believe the scientists. We don't believe that. Um, but I'm uh, talking about the people in Congress. They know the real deal. No, they don't, because they they are kowtowing to look what they're doing in this uh, Liz Cheney. I know. Who was you know, I know. mean, because she won't say that the election was fair. I mean, she w she won't say it was unfair, but uh, it's crazy. Yeah, here's a guy, cybersecurity expert, Michael. Hey, dude, Pennsylvania, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Hey, you guys hear me all right? I hear yeah, you we great. Hear you fine. So, yeah, the issue is around uh, cybersecurity. I think you're getting some things confused. Um, you have the private sector, which, you know, here in the U.S. is probably our biggest issue because, you know, you put a lot of funds into uh, things like budgets, cybersecurity expertise, and really, you know, just kind of uh, minimizing our defensive uh, infrastructure, you know, for capital gains. Then you have the federal side of it 
you know, so you have different agencies that are working very differently, but they're usually not in uh, conjunction with uh, our grouping. And then you have really the, I'll say, Internet of Things, you know, so you have information everywhere. And, uh, you know, it's really hard to secure that because then you have to minimize some of our own personal securities and things like that. Well, let me ask you something. You're an expert. Like Robin asked, is the talent there or not? I mean, do we have the guys who can stop these hackers and uh, protect our secrets and protect our Because it seems to me there's already a war going on there. No, no. We've, uh, we as an industry, you know, have been struggling with talent for a while. If you go into different things like the agencies, you know, people in, you know, overseas, you know, the, uh, the, the threat actors. They work two different ways, but you go into some of these uh, organizations or these companies and they're treated really like a business. You go into hack, you know, healthcare industry. There's people that are going into buildings. They have tickets and that's all they do all day, just like it's a regular job. But these people are kind of being groomed, you know, from the early ages, you know, to, to move into that talent. Uh, I do and who's some, grooming uh, them? Uh, it, is it China and Russia and all our enemies? Well, it's you say enemies on one level, but one of the biggest issues that they're dealing with is it's not always about you know trying to bring the U.S. down. You know, they have you know billions of mouse that's around intellectual capital and property theft. Right, that's right, the biggest right. issue that we see in the. Yeah, that's a big issue. These other countries steal our intellectual property. They. They, they'll they'll take great ideas and use them or make copies. yeah then they don't have to spend the money on the research right. they just go ahead and use it but yeah, it's and, pretty and bleak president biden started a firestorm by saying he wanted to give away the vaccine technology not let the companies who created it have a patent on it you know like the way medications are are developed is these companies put a lot of money into it develop it and then they get to have a a uh, proprietary right to it for several years so they can make their money back and make more money. Right. But he wants to just give it away. He's on board with that. And the the companies are like, are you out of your mind? That's our intellectual property. We're losing that race. And yet you want to give it away? Shit. What's he thinking? Uh, well, I hope Angela Merkel got his attention because she was like, absolutely not. Well, that's fucked up. I might have to run for president with The Rock. I mean, we might have to. Oh, my God. (laughs) Let me tell you another thing that happened this weekend. I'm talking to a couple of friends of mine. Yeah. And they said to me, we heard that Howard was giving political advice to The Rock and Matthew McConaughey. And they (laughs) really thought you had talked to The Rock and yeah, I'm running their campaign. Well, people are so said, stupid because they You know read... that's not true, don't you? Well, you know what it was? It was a bunch of articles that came out about right. how when I was talking to you on the air, how uh, I said, here's the thing, you know, that these guys don't understand. Once you have to, you know, The Rock never says anything controversial. Uh, the, 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 the other one, Matthew McConaughey, you know, he likes to speak in broad terms. He doesn't really, you know, yeah, we, they we don't answer know what he's saying. Most of the exactly. Time. <laughs> most times you don't know what the hell Matthew's talking about, but it's fun. And these guys, you know, have terrific careers. But people, as soon as you ask them, well, where are you on abortion? They're going to and, and where are you? So 
You and I had that conversation. Then the Daily News put out an article saying Howard Stern offers political advice to The Rock, meaning what I said on the show. Right. But people don't actually read the articles. They only read headlines. You know, so uh, people assume that I was now p- working for the campaigns of The Rock and <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. I, I couldn't believe I was like, oh, God, you know that's not true, don't you? And they were like, what? <laughs> we read it. <laughs> Marianne from Brooklyn, you're on the air. Well, what I read and saw this weekend, Howard, was beautiful, gorgeous. Oh, my God, that body, Howard. Uh, and it was all over the news also. Robin, did you see Beth? And I'm not a stalker, Howard. I'm no apples. I follow Beth because of all her, you know, positive posts. And I ordered my Helen tote. Helen Rose tote is available. All right, thank Robin. you, Marianne from Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, my now, I took goodness. a picture of Beth. Uh, she, I walked upstairs. She was in her bra and panties, <laughs> with, and and um, she was bent over litter boxes, filthy litter boxes, and trying to clean the litter boxes. And she was carrying about ten of them. And I I took my uh, phone and I snapped a picture. And she goes, "What are you doing?" I said, "You should put this out because people people think you know." It's glamorous what you do. They they accuse her. They say, oh, you must have a staff of people who do these cat, you know. Right. And all she does is hold the cats yep. and pose for pictures to say cats are available. She literally all day, we have these cats with us and they and she cleans up after them. The mothers, the nursing mothers. The, I mean, it's really her whole day. It's a full time job. Twenty four seven. And uh, I said, put the caption, nothing glamorous about. You know, <laughs> And she did, but of course she looked super fucking hot. And, uh, you know, she was in her underwear and her bra doing this. And why was she in her underwear and bra? She gets so filthy full of cat poop. She doesn't want her clothes. So she, so she, what she does is she gets in the shower after she's done and she doesn't want her clothes covered in, you know, cause in poop. Right. Yeah. Cause each cat has things that are wrong and you know, this, that, and the other thing. But evidently, I mean, it was almost a kind of pornographic. It was weird. Like I said to her, maybe I think this was misinterpreted. It's like cat porno or something because right, right. Because it is a hot picture. I thought it was really cat hot. lovers porn. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, uh, she looked good. And there's going to be like, a Helen Rose tote. With there is one. Favorite, yeah, favorite um, image that you've created. Yeah, it was a painting I did. So Beth is um, again. Every dime goes to animal care and rescue. So, uh, you know, she said, uh, make 